Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. The global vegan food market is expected to grow from $14.4 billion in 2020 to almost $16 billion in 2021. It's a trend that's slowly catching on in Calgary as we see more vegan and plant-based restaurants and menu options available. The Allium is a plant-based, worker-owned restaurant that focuses on ethical, local-grown food here in Calgary. Jared and Laura Bluestein are co-founders of the Allium, and they join us today by phone. Good morning, Jared and Laura. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, David. Good morning, Tara. Good morning, Jared and Laura, and Laura and Jared. Um, you know, uh, it, when it comes to vegan, my wife should do the interview, not me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> how this whole idea came about? Um, yeah, so the I guess the seed for the Allium was kind of grown out of a graduate degree that I completed years ago. Um, really looking at um, issues of our economy. Um, you know, why are we still double household dependent? How is it becoming harder for people to uh, get access to property? Um, why are wages relatively stagnated when compared to the rising cost of inflation? Um, just kind of looking at all of these different uh, issues that we encounter in society and specifically in our economy today and uh, really recognizing that um, empowering workers um, having workers uh, have control over their workspace is one direct and immediate way to start addressing some of these issues. Um, we just see when you empower workers, when they have more capital, they spend more, um, they are more uh, involved in their communities and their city. Um, the city economy begins to thrive more because more capital is actually moving through your city. Um, and so it just seemed like a lot of really great um, outcomes when we empower workers. Um, I've worked in the restaurant industry for a long time. Uh, in all honesty, not a huge fan of restaurants myself, uh, but something that I know well. And so when really thinking about what you know industry to do or what um, a work structure I could make to start empowering workers in, um, a restaurant just seemed like a, a natural choice in the end. So for, for people who aren't familiar with that cooperative model, can you walk us through what that looks like for the workers and yeah. for you? Absolutely. So I think a lot of uh, listeners would probably be familiar with um, the consumer co-op model, um, either maybe from shopping at the co-op grocery store or uh, MEC in the past was a consumer co-op. Um, and in that model, uh, we as consumers can purchase some small share in the enterprise. Um, and we receive, you know, some uh, some modest benefits from that. We're invited to a shareholders meeting. We may receive some small dividend check at the end of the fiscal year. Um, by contrast, a worker co-op is owned by the people that actually operate the space. Um, so uh, workers are uh, invited uh, in the Allium model to um, uh, participate in a probation period. Um, once they've passed about a six-month period, um, they then receive the option to buy in uh, as long as they're happy with the space and we're happy with them. Um, and uh, we've set the buy-in to be $5,000, which is, you know, not a, a lot of money in terms of owning a restaurant, but actually it is a considerable amount of capital for most working class people. Um, mm -hmm. So when people buy in, they then start to uh, be a full owner of the space. Um, they receive profits at the end of a fiscal year proportionate to hours worked in that year. 
Um, you know, we operate on a non-hierarchical consensus model, so everybody um, kind of controls the space collectively, but we do have kind of hubs set up so people can uh, make decisions and respond to a business environment as needed on a day-to-day basis. Um, and really what we're just trying to do is show um, that actually in this model, um, the harder you work, the more you earn. That's sort of this like empty idea that gets thrown around a lot in our society. Um, but for most people, especially in a restaurant or a minimum wage job, um, the harder they work, they, they, the, you know, it, does no, it has no impact on their earnings. Um, but here in the Allium, the more you invest in, the more time you're in the space, um, the more you put into working uh, and trying to grow the business, the more you directly receive back as, a, as an owner-operator. Um, and so really, this is just what I think a more equitable form of work, a more equitable form of economy, and it really starts to build meaningful community. It really empowers people to feel like they uh, have control over their lives. Uh, and that they're not actually trapped in a, in a situation of control, but actually part of a, a thriving uh, community. Um, I saw on your website that you have right now about six or seven owners and you have another seven or eight probationary owners. And is there a limit or everybody can become an owner? Well, often, I mean, it, it's really quite dependent on how much work we have. So if we, you know, there really isn't anyone who is a probationary owner right now will be, you know, offered a position to be a full owner. And we wouldn't kind of keep bringing people on if there wasn't positions available. But even growing kind of the probationary side, it's all dependent on how much work we have. So if we have work available, then, you know, we'll add people in. But if we don't, then that's kind of where we cap ourselves for owners. Yeah, we kind of joke that we're in the business of making work. Um, so it's definitely dependent on um, the needs of the, of the people um, operating the space more than anything. So let's assume right now that uh, all your probationary owners, and I won't mention names, but let's assume they all become owners in the next while, which according to your plan. You end up with 14 owners. Um, how do you make decisions um, and, and who kind of has the veto or do you have a veto on business decisions? Yeah, so we, um, we are uh, big fans of structure and we use structure to uh, really smooth out a lot of the ambiguity that could be seen in a business model like this. So um, we have a set of bylaws and a constitution that we operate by. Um, we use a governance model that's called holacracy. Um, and that's really just a fancy word to uh, essentially say that we have um, uh, groups, uh, sort of the larger governing group, which is all of us, and then groups within that group. Um, so hubs, as I called them earlier. Uh, for instance, we have a front of house hub, uh, you know, a kitchen hub, a bar hub, an administrative hub, a sustainability hub. Um, and in these hubs, there are people who are appointed as leads. Um, and that leadership role doesn't actually mean that they have uh, necessarily power. It just means that they are responsible to see out the vision of that hub and to ensure the, the correct uh, operation of the business. Um, you know, it, it, in a real consensus model, it would mean that everyone would have to agree on every decision all the time. And that would just be a bureaucratic nightmare in my mind, maybe worse than operating at the political level. Um, so, you know, to avoid that kind of nightmare situation, uh, people can just make decisions as leads of the hub or in consulting with their hub members on a day-to-day basis. Any major decisions, you know, a major purchasing decision or a change to the business model um, have to be brought up 
uh, to our board of directors. All full owners are board members. Um, and we also have co- uh, collective uh, monthly meetings. So that's another place where those big decisions can be discussed. And ultimately, uh, because we operate on consensus, not democracy, um, everyone has to agree to some level um, I sometimes joke that democracy uh, is sort of a joke, but is, is tyranny of the majority. So if you and myself and Laura wanted to share a pie, we cut that pie into thirds. You and I vote that Laura gets no pie. Well, Laura gets no pie and you and I get to share the whole thing. That's democracy and it's worked. Um, but ultimately, Laura's really been left out of that decision because she's the minority. Um, uh, consensus, by contrast, sort of makes uh, us uh, responsible to Laura as well. And she can now say, well, I don't think that's fair. And we have to come back to the table and make a decision together. Um, so those are kind of how we uh, operate and, and, and use our governance model to allow for a dynamic um, action in a business in a business setting. Laura and Jared Bluestein are with us. They're the co-founders of the Allium Restaurant. So when did you open the Allium? Um, 20, August 10th, 2019, I think. Yeah. 2019. So h- how did you, I know that you, you have um, dine-in at this point, you have dine-in and takeout as well. How did you fare through all of the COVID restrictions? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, as all small businesses and definitely restaurants can attest to, it was a, a, a very difficult time. Um, you know, well, I often say we don't have a lot of capital, but we have a lot of creativity uh, being work-grown. So um, we were able to do a lot of really cool pivots right off the start. Um, and it's also in part because of our community connection. So, um, you know, we started our own uh, in-house delivery program. Uh, we don't want to support, um, you know, some of the gig economy delivery services because we're about empowering workers. And we see that there's some problems with a lot of those delivery services. So we did our own delivery service. Um, We started a packaged food line uh, where we've been selling sauces um, as well as takeaway uh, grab-and-go items at uh, Blush Lane, uh, all the Blush Lane grocery stores, uh, Luke's Drug Mart. Uh, We were in the Bohemian, but it recently closed, unfortunately, Um, as well as online uh, through YYC Growers, which is a farming collective, um, as well as Be Local, which is a project of the Momentum nonprofit, a really great nonprofit that supports um, local social enterprises. And we also started doing virtual cooking classes once a month throughout the pandemic as well, where people could buy an experience bag with all of their food they needed and follow us online for a cooking class. Um, oh, so I need a lot that. Of these really- <laughs> <laughs> I need that badly. <laughs> our, guests to, our guests today are Laura and Jared Bluestein, uh, co-founders of the Allium. We have to take a short break and we'll be back with you immediately following the commercial break. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs. Embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. We're back with Laura and Jared Bluestein, co-founders of the Allium Restaurant. My question is, I'm trying to understand something about your slogan. What's ethical food? Everything I eat is ethical because my wife cooks it. <laughs> but what, what is ethical food? 
You know, um, I think it means a, a lot of things to a lot of different people, but um, for sure at the Allium, when we say that, um, we really uh, are primarily talking about our sourcing practices. Um, so we um, really avoid um, purchasing things that are grown uh, from large uh, corporate uh, industrial producers uh, imported from China or uh, other um, foreign countries primarily, you know, as much as possible. Um, we work with local um, organic or non-intensive farmers, uh, people that are trying to use sustainable growing practices. And it's amazing that you can do that here. Um, you know, we're so fortunate to have made a restaurant uh, at this time in history when there's so many uh, indoor hydroponic and aquaponic farms all over Calgary and Alberta. Um, it really uh, increases our ability to access fresh uh, local vegetables all year round. Um, so that's been very exciting. Um, and I guess also that might be part of the reason why we ultimately decided to do a fully plant-based menu. Um, it was sort of not always in the cards at the start, but we kept thinking about how we're trying to support and empower workers and create a better form of, uh, of, of uh, economy and, and a better form of work in society. And uh, it just seemed like why would we, um, I guess, ultimately be um, – you know, killing animals um, and uh, maybe relying on some problematic uh, farming or industrial practices. Um, and not to say that they all are. I mean, I, I have to be honest, I still eat meat. Um, many of us don't, but, uh, you know, I do. And I just try to be aware of where my meat comes from. But it just seemed like we were trying to build this project that was really rooted in this idea of ethicality. And, and so it just made sense for us at the time of forming to not have uh, meat dishes included. Um, and we also recognize that most Canadians, I think, get like three times the amount of protein they need, but something like a fifth of the amount of fiber. So a lot of us are really jacked up and bunged up. And so eating your vegetables <laughs> is a really great way to address some of that. But, but Jared, you know, having a good steak supports the local economy. Alberta is known for its beef. Absolutely. And we're not saying, you know, everyone needs to make their own decisions about how they want to eat. Um, I think all we're trying to say is you don't need to eat steak every week or even every night, um, you know, and that actually having um, access or, or uh, uh, maybe some, um, you know, some, yeah, being able to access some delicious, uh, creative, uh, non-meat-based food is, uh, I think, important for people. Um, you know, if they don't have the option, they won't do it. Do you find that the clientele is growing, <clears throat> the plant-based or vegan clientele? Because in the intro, I talked about how that, that market is expected to grow, and that was specific vegan. I know there's, there's all sorts of conversations now about plant-based is different than vegan. And um, so, you know, have you seen a lot, of, a lot more people coming in to try the plant-based food? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that, um, just as Jared was saying, I think people are starting to realize that maybe having meat for every meal every day of the week is probably not the healthiest thing to be, you know, doing. So, I, you know, I work on the floor quite often, and we have a lot of people coming in now that, you know, you'll always ask, like, oh, where did you hear about us? And a lot of people will be like, oh, I have a vegetarian friend that came here, and you know, told me it was amazing and we just wanted to try it, you know, one night of the week and not have meat every day. So they come in and they actually are like full meat eaters, but try it. And they're kind of like, can't believe how delicious, delicious it is. Right. So I think, they're always surprised yeah, I, that the plant-based food tastes yeah. good. Well, and they also are surprised that they feel full by the end of the meal. So, mm. yeah, I think, I think it's starting to change people's minds. I think they're starting to realize, too, that there's a lot of flavor in vegetables. 
Yeah, and if, and if you notice on our menu, I mean, we don't we're not trying to substitute meats. We actually don't have any tofu on our menu. Um, we rely very little on nuts. Um, we're really, you know, just trying to make delicious vegetables. Um, and I think that is, uh, it's funny to say, but it's kind of unique to a vegetarian or vegan restaurant. You know, a lot of them do have, um, you know, substitute meats or soy meats. Um, but um, that's, you know, what we're trying to avoid partly. If they're trying to get some protein in, <laughs> they need the protein. I want to go back yeah. to the uh, co-op uh, kind of structure and, and let me play a little bit of a devil's advocate. I come from uh, Israel. I, I moved here from Israel and uh, I don't know if you are aware of the social or I would say the structure of kibbutz, which was a cooperative way of, of living. And yeah. uh, I would say that 98% of that uh movement has changed now to become very good capitalist uh, kind of environment. And part of it was that when you have so many owners, partners, cooperators, whatever you call them on the decision-making process, uh, or, you know, have different opinions or they want to work more because they want to earn more money, that creates a big, big, big issue. How are you going to enjoy and work and compromise and manage 14 owners? You know, I have to be perfectly honest and say it's not easy, but I need to also point out that I guess it really depends on your worldview and what you value. Um, you know, um, there's always going to be issues. I think in every work environment, most of us have been in, there's been some kind of interpersonal conflict or some kind of struggle that you've had to work out. Um, in a traditional business structure, those interpersonal conflicts generally result in an ending of relationships. Um, Laura, I can actually attribute this idea to Laura. She often says that, you know, a traditional job is, is, uh, is kind of like a, a fling. It's a summer romance. You get hired, especially in a service sector job like a restaurant. You get hired. It's exciting. It's a new space. Everyone's having fun. And eventually the romance starts to fade off. And then it becomes just that real relationship work. And oftentimes um, in a traditional business structure, people don't want to put in the work. And so those relationships are ended. You quit or you get fired and you go off and you find your next new sexy partner. Um, by contrast, ownership, new sexy job. New sexy job. <laughs> by contrast, uh, cooperative ownership in a worker co-op is a lot more akin to marriage. Um, we don't end relationships, but we seek to mend them. And that means that there has to be a commitment um, people to be there and work together. And while that can be very challenging, it is beyond rewarding. When you can work through those hard moments with people and come out the other side, your team is more connected, more empowered, uh, you know, just more um, lighthearted than they would have been ever before. And so, you know, I agree. It's not, it's not without its challenges. But again, if you have a clear structure, you have a commitment, and you have a belief that people are capable to work together, that people are empowered, then you can actually produce something very powerful, I think. And I always like to remind, especially Albertans, that the worker co-op model is not new, especially in the prairies. The only way the West was settled during colonial times, uh, continued colonial times, but especially at the start, um, was through cooperatives, cooperative work, farmers, exactly like kibbutzes in a way, but it was finance cooperatives, equipment cooperatives, um, farming co-ops, supporting one another to make sure we could survive and, and, and grow as community. Um, and I think but, somewhere along the line, we forgot about that. 
Do you see um, a future to grow to uh, new locations or, or other co-ops that uh, will learn from you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think what we were saying, how we were saying before, that um, a lot of, um, I guess, our building and developing and growing the business is all based on how much work we really all want to have. So if we want to add more members and we want to grow the business, then totally we would open another uh, space. I think right now with COVID and, and the way things are, um, I think it would be a little bit difficult for us to do that just because, you know, the economy is so uncertain right now. But, you know, when things stabilize and we have, like, I think currently we still do have a bit of a wait list of members that are just mm -hmm. kind of waiting to hear about our potential members waiting to hear back. So once, you know, that happens and we can maybe potentially grow and open a second location then, and we have members kind of waiting to get in, then yeah, probably. Yeah, and, and just to note, you know, I've been working with about eight or nine other local groups over the last two and a bit years um, in various stages of development and in various capacities to help them form uh, worker co-ops. And I also sit on the board of directors for a nonprofit called the Canadian Worker Co-op Federation. It's a national organization that helps support the development and continuation of worker co-ops across the country. Um, and it's an awesome nonprofit. It's been very helpful to us. And I'm happy to say that, I, uh, you know, in serving on that board, I've been able to help a lot of other worker co-ops across Canada. I was going to say, if somebody's interested in starting one, looks like they know who they can go to now. Laura and Jared Bluestein, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Co-founders of the Allium Restaurant. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com.